0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Professor James McKenny has taught computer science, astronomy, as well as numerous other math courses and classes. He worked in the U.S. and Latin America with high-level Russian scientists. A lecturer has presented his research at international conferences. His website linked up at coasttocoastam.com. He's got several books out, including Planet X Update 2020, and uh, James McKinney, my friend, welcome back. How are you, Jim? George, thank you
0: very much. Good to be back here.
1: Strange times these days, huh?
0: The last day of the year. <laughs> we are trying to figure out uh, the past and the future.
1: Any predictions for 2021?
0: Well, I no. I, I, 2020 baffled me, so I, I really don't. It's just a shooting match. That's the only thing I can say.
1: Yeah, it really is. Lots to talk with you about tonight, James. But let's talk a little bit about Planet X first, because so many people have talked about this extra planet that is somewhere out in the universe, in the solar system. What's your take? I know you just wrote the book, Planet X Update 2020, The Real History of Planet X. What's your, what's your take on Planet X?
0: Well, uh, the, the thing that Harrington found, which was kind of the crux of the Sitchin uh, story and everything, uh, it was the nucleus of hale very much hidden from everybody's uh, understanding, including mine, through all those years. And it finally hit me, finally dawned on me exactly what was going on. I followed the orbit back, and it was exactly what he discovered. And so that's one issue. But what's really strange now is that NASA and standard science have taken over, the Planet X topic. If you do a search, go just type in Planet X on any search engine, and you will come up with all standard science. Uh, and it started around 2014 when a couple of young astronomers published a paper showing some grouping of this nearly 3,000 new planets they have discovered, actually observed outside of our solar system in the Kuiper Belt nearly 3,000 new planets of all different sizes, and they theorized that there was a big one there, like a Jupiter-sized object out there. And that got things rolling. Then in 2016, a guy named Jim Green from NASA went public, and he said, NASA is behind this. They're going to pursue Planet X with full vigor. And, And it just kind of negated all of the decades of them saying there was no such thing, and Anybody who talked about Planet X was crazy. So it's really bizarre how this has changed, and all of a sudden has become NASA's talking point, one of their big uh, search uh, projects right now. And like I say, when you go to a search engine, it's you know if you look at the the criticism of me on the internet, it's McCanny talking about Planet X again, Mm -hmm. and now it's mainstream. Standard Science, NASA.
1: The late Zechariah Sitchin, uh, James, uh, talked about uh, this extra planet he called Nibiru that uh, he claimed was on a 3,600-year elliptical orbit, took it way out, then brought it way in, and every time it got close to planet Earth, it would play some kind of havoc in the creation. He claimed that there were extraterrestrials on that planet and everything else, but generally, what do you think of his thoughts that it's on a 3,600-year elliptical orbit.
0: Well, he got that number from Robert Harrington, the head of the Naval Observatory, in a
1: 1986
0: interview, and that that was an estimate that Harrington had made at the time, and Harrington later revised that to 4,200 years, and that was in around uh, 1991, when Harrington actually discovered it, and his work got buried after he died an untimely early death, and uh, uh, Tom Van Planderen was working there. Tom Van Planderen went quiet also on the topic, and basically said, "No, there's no such thing as Planet X." And that that that's so strange because even though Harrington died, his work should have continued, especially with Tom Van Plandern there. But it just it just got buried. Uh, and if you look up now, the standard explanation is that. Allegedly, they say Harrington said before he died that there was nothing there, which is ridiculous because I have the actual documents that were funded by NASA where Harrington tells exactly where he discovered this object, and that's where the nucleus of hale was at that time. So anyway, the 3,600-year time was wrong. It was really 4,250 years, so Harrington was pretty close, but that number got... Uh, propagated and propagated throughout history. But the other issue is that now we have nearly 3,000 planets out there, newly discovered, so we went from nine planets to eight planets when Pluto was demoted as a planet, and now they're looking for what they call Planet 9, kind of a Mm play on words almost.
1: And in your opinion, is this planet out there?
0: Well, they're looking at clustering of a bunch of these little objects, and I don't think that really, it's not 100% conclusive. They think it is, so they're. but if they found all these little ones and can't find the big one, that's kind of counterproductive. It's, it's counterintuitive. So uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems like there's uh, something going on, but if you look at just a statistical spectrum of objects, it would imply if you find 3,000 of them, probably one of them is going to be big or some of them are going to be big. Uh, one thing is my original work back when I was at Cornell uh, was that I predicted that there would be a rich volume of planets out in that region because that's where the nebular ion cloud is, and you can see these clouds around other stars making planets. You can actually see them. So... uh Uh, But the the other interesting thing is that NASA, with their nebular collapse theory of how the solar system formed, cannot explain why you have 3,000 planets out there. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, So anyway, it's a a really interesting time. But I think they probably have discovered big objects. I just think they're kind of shy on talking about them until they get orbital data. Mm Mm-hmm. Those things move so slowly out there that it takes probably decades before you can get an orbital read on, the, on, the, on their location and what their real orbits are. So they, they're probably waiting until they get more data on the orbits before they say anything. That's my guess.
1: What's the significance if there is this extra planet out there?
0: Well, for us, more than likely, it's not going to be something that comes into the solar system, let alone the inner solar system. And uh, so it's probably not something threatening. It's it's certainly nothing that statistically, uh, even if it came into the inner solar system, the chances that it'll come that close enough to Earth to actually do any damage would be pretty low. So... I think you're pretty safe in saying that there's no reason to cause alarm. There's kind of a misconception that everybody thinks, well, if something comes into the solar system, like, you know, an object like that, Planet X, which is an unnamed astronomical object, there's kind of this myth that it's always going to come close to Earth and do damage. And that's simply not true. In fact, it's really a rare occasion when something comes near Earth And the idea that something would come every thirty six hundred years and come close to Earth Mm -hmm. is not even possible dynamically.
1: Could it be inhabited? Well, there again,
0: Mm -hmm. um, that's an interesting uh, concept. I mean, anything is possible, but so I mean, anything is possible. But there's, uh, you know, there again in the scientific sense there's no evidence for that other than uh you know looking at old myths and things like that which can have validity but uh it's not scientific proof of any kind
1: no it isn't what is it that captured your imagination when you wrote planet x update 2020
0: well, the whole history going back to into the 80s when Harrington was looking for this Planet X object and then he found it, then he died, and it turned out to be the nucleus of hale But all of the intrigue that happened around this, you had the the Los Angeles, the Heaven Gates suicide, which was a very bizarre event, and then all of the... Uh, just the, um, the, the trolls that went out on the Internet very much were paid uh, political pay- players to monitor anything and create, and then there were just characters created out of thin air that were created to uh, propagate the two sides of the story. You had the white hats from NASA, mm-hmm. saying there was no such thing, then you had this this uh, entourage of people making all kinds of claims that never came true. And out of that, uh, I might have been the only sane person in the whole
1: lot
0: <laughs> to trying to maintain a sense of order. In fact, I spent a good portion of my radio time talking about how there's no real scientific proof that there was a Planet X, uh, you know, that uh, based on all of the different claims that came and went. But uh, uh, anyway, I, to, to be clear, though, I am personally not aware of any Planet X objects right now that are threatening the solar system or, or Earth. And I don't, I don't know of anything in NASA. They, they might be protecting some information, but even I don't think they have information on these newly discovered planets out there. There's uh, not enough time has gone by to allow them to determine orbits. Uh, it takes probably decades of because they move so slowly to get a good orbital determination. So I think we're in Never Never Land at this point, and the, you can't say yes or you can't say no. But, And the other thing is that objects can come into the solar system unannounced. It happens all the time where things, they never saw it before. This thing comes zipping into the solar system, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you, you are surprised. That's the way hale came. It was a total surprise when they finally did discover it in 1991.
1: Do you think, James, there's a campaign underway to distort this story of Planet X? And if so, why?
0: Well, that's the strange thing. And they, the, the one thing that I figured out is that the people in power can control things on Earth, but they know that if people see something up in the sky that's big and unusual, like a Planet X object, but it's it's going to look like a big comet. Right. Just like hale and that's the issue, and so they want to keep away from that. If you look at any of the Planet X books that they put out there and in, in really funded people, uh, they have a big orange ball on the cover, and that's to give this image that Planet X is going to look like some kind of big orange ball but it's going to look like a comet. Uh, but they know that if people really see something fantastic and big in the sky and it starts to have electrical interactions with Earth or something like that, everybody's going to know that the world leaders have no control over that and they're going to lose control. And That's what it's all about.
1: It's all about control, isn't it?
0: All about control.
1: It's been a fascinating subject. I remember interviewing Nancy Leader about this. Remember that?
0: Oh, I certainly do. I remember those years, uh, they wanted me to debate her, and I said, no, I didn't want to step into that one at all. And, uh, you know, but it was a time of of incredible, uh, uh, you know, the the amount of public attention on that was just phenomenal.
1: Absolutely. Now, you've been looking a lot at uh, alternative energy. Tell us a bit about uh, some of your work.
0: Well, this started a long time ago. I originally started by doing a study for a company, a private company up in Minnesota and analyzing XL Energies, energy distribution, efficiencies, et cetera. And then they asked me to do a study on alternative energy, which was three-blade wind turbines and solar. And it was at that point I realized that they would never solve the world energy problem. And so even today, people are talking about... the the New Green Deal, the Green New Deal, whatever, about you know implementing vast amounts of solar and three-blade wind turbines, in the end, the result is they simply won't solve the problem. Uh, and so what I did is I sat down and I said, okay, what is the real solution here? So I said, uh, will solar work? And I realized that solar would not work. It was theoretically... Uh, as far as right, but
1: you health health like you like health wind health power. Health You're a wind power guy, if oh. I remember.
0: Right, right. And if you remember, back in 2003, I was on coast to coast. You interviewed me with my book Atlantis to Tesla, and I was mm-hmm. working on a Tesla tower to extract energy from the ions.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And I realized that that wouldn't work. It was too dangerous technology. So then I turned to wind, and I said, wind will do it. Wind is every place from the North Pole to the South Pole. And,
1: and it's free. And it's, it's free. It's always there. Yeah,
0: and if you use some wind energy today, it's not going to take away from the wind energy that's going to be there tomorrow. So anyway, that's where I concentrated, and I, I developed a system. It's called a wing generator it's a patented, we're not actually selling these now, we're marketing them on the world market. And it's very efficient, it works from low to very high wind speeds, and uh, it's, it, it has 25 improvements over the three-blade wind turbine. So anyway, the other thing is I wanted something that we could make big enough to replace coal and nuclear power plants. Wow, And that's in the works also. And uh, I was doing some calculations and with 800 of these, we not only could replace all the nuclear and coal power plants in the US, but we could provide enough energy for the upcoming automobile, electric auto, surge of electric demand that's coming.
1: With 800, that's all?
0: With just 800, yeah, these would be 250 megawatt units in a wind generator. And at 60% efficiency, 800 of them would power our country, plus a doubling of the current electrical energy need with uh, the surge of electrical vehicles uh, that's coming down the road.
1: How tall are these units, these wing generators?
0: Uh, The big ones would be about 800 feet in diameter. So they're big.
1: How tall? Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, eight, uh, so uh, at another hundred feet of the tower, so probably nine hundred feet off the ground.
1: It would look nine hundred feet. It's almost like a skyscraper, right?
0: Right, right. But uh, I've done the engineering studies with uh, certified engineering companies, and they say we can build these. We can build them. They're going to hold together. They will. Uh, uh, we can build, you know, a, a lot of these, and the cost this is the interesting part to put up 800 of these would only be a hundred and sixty billion dollars
1: and you wouldn't have to how many would you have to scatter together you know like windmills you got twenty or thirty of them together would you have to do that with this or just have one
0: well that's a good question because the way it works is the united states or any big country australia united states you have uh... wind basically a constant wind energy at any given time. So you have enough energy. So what you do is you distribute these, you'll have some on the Great Lakes, you'll have some in the Atlantic Ocean, down in Nevada, where you have those windy areas, you pick these really windy areas, and you put a a number of these up, and then you transport the electricity around the country. And so it's called distributed energy.
1: Ah, I see.
0: Distributed electricity, and you're going to have enough electricity there and what you do is you dump it onto the grid and then at the local point at the house or up the street from the business or whatever you have a converter that converts whatever is on the grid to the local voltage and that's how you control the voltage. You don't control the voltage at the central power company anymore.
1: And we've we've been screaming James to protect and insulate the power grid in the event of a solar X flare or an EMP attack.
0: Right, right. And there again, the way to do that, I'm on some panels where we're looking at this. Uh, It's hard to get traction on the national level. Uh, It always seems to get going and then it dies, but it's very easy to do. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.